Thank you, Doug and Bertie Valley Christian Church. Look at you guys get better looking each service. Look at you through the smoke. <laughs> All right. It is really, really fun to be with you guys again. I had a great time with uh, the first service folks, and, uh, and um, it, I, don't, I don't know. I just am surprised I get invited back. I preach a lot of places once, you know. <laughs> Um, and so it is really a joy to be with you. Um, I, my wife, she, she told me that I only have seven good sermons, and this is my eighth time to preach at your, at your church. Uh, I found under my bed the other day was a box, and it had three eggs and a pile of cash in it. And I said to my wife, what's this? And she said, well, we've been married like 30-some years, and she said, I've heard you preach a lot. Every time you preached a bad sermon, I put an egg, egg in the box. And I thought, well, well, that's not bad then. 30 years, only three eggs. I said, what's all that cash? And she said, every time I hit a dozen, I sold them. <laughs> so that's, that's a bad joke. Now, Birdie Valley Christian Church, I listened to your preacher, Jim Hammond, because he's a good friend. I listened to him on this series of serving. And uh, man, he's got some good stuff. And you all stepped up. You stepped up. I, I saw last week's sermon where many have signed up to serve and everything, and uh, he asked me if I could come and preach on uh, uh, serving blesses me, how serving can bless us. And, and some of you are like, probably, oh, again? Like, haven't we had enough of this serving stuff? You got one more Sunday to go. After me, you got one more. And if, if this doesn't go well today, because this is a brand new sermon, I had to write this sermon. I hope you're impressed. Uh, it wasn't one I could just pull out of the file. I had to write a new sermon. If this doesn't go well, come back next week, because I won't be here. All right? And you can hear something maybe that uh, is a little more dear to your heart. I do love humor, those of you who have heard me preach before, because I believe God has a sense of humor. Amen? If you don't believe it, just look at the person next to you. God... <laughs> Had to have a sense of humor to create that person sitting next to you. Some of you still aren't smiling, okay? No problem. Um, I will be brief, but I am excited to be able to share with you. I really am. Uh, let me show you where I'm from. Here's a picture. William Jessup University, that's our front entrance ramp. And there you see about a thousand traditional age, you know, the 18 to 22 year olds, uh, all posing there after our first chapel in the fall. And uh, things are really going well. Now, William Jessup was my grandfather, but he didn't start William Jessup University. He started San Jose Bible College down in the Bay Area of San Jose, uh, or of uh, California. And 14 years ago, we moved it to Rockland and we named it after him, mainly so people would ask, who was that? And we could say he was a preacher. He loved the Lord very, very much. And he wanted to see young people understand how to integrate God's word with whatever subject they choose to study, that they might go and make a difference in this world for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it is pretty exciting to see all of these students studying in some 50 different concentrations, some 20 different majors now as we continue to grow. There's another 500 adults that study at night. Um, they're finishing their degree or they're working on their master's programs. And so we don't even have a picture of all them gathered as they meet on different nights of the week and things. I did bring with me a little, our latest magazine and it's out there on the table and I'd love for you to have it. The reason why this almost sounds like a little commercial is because you folks are a part of William Jessup 
Not just because I'm friends with your pastor, Jim, but because you give a small portion of your tithes and offerings comes out of those boxes now. Remember, you have boxes. Uh, those boxes, by the, a small portion of their tithes and offerings comes to William Jessup in the scholarship fund to help students. And they help students like this one right hey, here. Hey, Rachel Garrow, and I'm just live here from William Jessup University, and I just wanted to say hi to everyone, and just thank you so much for all the support and encouragement that you guys have been giving to uh, me and just everyone here at the school. Thank you guys once again. Um, hey, Mom and Dad. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> She's been a gem there to have. And so anyways, pick one of these up if you'd like. This is our latest issue, and it was by our psychology department, Integrating Psychology and Theology, Understanding How God Works to use the mind, to uh, heal the mind, to um, live in this society while we're in this world, not of this world, and there's some great articles in this little magazine that's out there if you'd like to grab one, okay, on your way home. But here's another cool picture that you see, Verde Valley Christian Church. That is a banner that hangs in our gymnasium. Not bad. Don't be too impressed. Okay. It hangs in our, yeah, thank you. Okay, good. You can applaud that. That hangs in our gym. It has now ever since we built the gym, because you guys have been supporting us for years. But, but don't be too impressed. There's now 120 of those hanging. 120 churches believe in what's happening at William Jessup University. And they're giving to the scholarship fund. And so it is just a joy to be able to get around to different churches, to be able to share, to say thank you, to be able to do what I'm doing now. And that is, folks, you're making a great difference in the lives of young people who want to honor God with what he has put into their hearts that they might use for him. So thank you again for being with us. Really appreciate you. Now, this next picture and last picture shows you a little segue into our message today. That graduate is getting a towel laid over his arm by our president, just like this towel right here. And it says, prepared to serve. Kind of a neat little feature we added to our graduation services many years ago. I've been doing it for some 30 or 40 years that we buy these towels and everyone that graduates receives one across their arm, realizing that it's not just the graduation that's important, but it's the life ahead in service for our king. And they are now prepared to serve. Well, that's the little segue into the fact that we're going to still talk about serving today. And the fact that serving can really bless you. I mean, it can really make a difference in your life. And I want to encourage you with this. And again, like I say, uh, if you're done with this series, if you're already serving, listen in because I'm going to be talking about you. If you were decided, no, it's not for me, listen in. I want to talk to you. And if you don't like either, either side, come back next week because I won't be here and you don't have to listen to me anymore, Okay. But let's pick up in John chapter 13. Let me just paraphrase for you. John chapter 13, and then we'll share with you a verse. John chapter 13 is Thursday night of the Passion Week of Christ. In other words, Thursday night, he knew the next day he was going to be crucified and that on Sunday he would rise from the dead. Jesus knew this, and he gathers with his disciples on Thursday night. You know the story, many of you probably, where they're having the Last Supper. 
Jesus gets up from the table and he goes and grabs a basin and he pours water in it and he begins to walk around to his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. Well, this is, I bet, I bet it just went dead silent. What is he doing? Why is he doing this? What's he doing? I don't understand. I don't know. And I got to Peter and Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. You'll never wash my feet. Peter says, I, or Jesus says, I have to, Peter. Or you have no part with me. Well, then wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let me just wash your feet. What he was saying, I believe, is that though this is a job you don't expect of me to do, I want this job to change your attitude. I want what I'm doing to change your attitude. I want what, I think what God wants is he wants the scriptures as we read them to change our attitude. Amen? Good, two of you are with me. All right. That God's word would change our attitude. That when we would read it, we would say, that may be talking about me. He may be talking directly to me. Jesus said to his disciples in, in John chapter 13, you call me Lord and teacher, but I have washed your feet. And he goes on to say, I'm setting you an example that you would wash other people's feet. And he says that the servant is not greater than the master, and yet it is the master who was serving. I think he might have been trying to get the disciples to understand that in just a few short weeks, they would be hailed, they would be lifted up. They would be followed by many, many people. In fact, when Peter gave his message in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people joined in this belief that Jesus was the Messiah. Some who are the ones who said, crucify him, crucify him. And yet they heard the message and they came to believe. John 13, 17, now finishing up this Last Supper, Jesus says this to them, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them, Jesus says. Now that you know these things, what things? Jesus, what are you talking about? That we would wash other people's feet. I think he wanted to remind the disciples that you're going to need to be servant leaders. That you're going to need to serve others. Why? Why is that such a big deal for us as Christians? And, and, and why would we be blessed? Jesus says, I'll be blessed if I do these things. Because the byproduct of being on the right mission is a blessed life. And that's really what I want to talk to you about as we begin this idea of being blessed when you serve, is that if you're on the right mission, if you're on the right mission in life, the byproduct is a blessed life. It really is. Unfortunately, too often, we get it out of order and we're looking around, oh, Lord, bless me. Bless me, Lord. And you know what I mean? Bless me. In other words, bless me with a full stomach. Bless me with a full wallet. Huh? Come on. Bless me with a full Facebook page of friends. 
Bless me, Lord, with my future being secured. Bless me, Lord, with these things. I want a full stomach. I want a full wallet. I want a full Facebook page. I want a a full future of security. We forget that seeking a blessed life is not your mission. And yet so often that's what we're seeking after. We're seeking after comfort. And I'm guilty of it too. We seek after the thing that we want, not understanding that the thing that we want will be, will be given to us when we're on the right mission. Ah, what's your mission? Jesus explained the mission of every Christian when he said in Matthew chapter 5, to all the Christians who were there, to all the, I mean, the people who were following him in the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are the light of the world. Some of you know that, those, that verse, that, that sermon that he preached, you are the light of the world, and no city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Let my light shine before, what does that mean? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on, who remembers it? All right, put your light up. Just put, you don't have to sing it with me. Put your light up. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Ah, it just sounded pretty good. When I got older, I said, what is this? What is this? This little light, is this, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Jesus says right there, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. What is this? It's your good deeds that they will see. You get it? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. I shine my light by what I do. Not by just singing a song in church with my light. Let my light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and then they'll praise your Father. In heaven, in other words, they'll say, see something different in you. Because what have you just done? You have glorified God by what you did, the good deeds. So that by the way in which you live, people will recognize God at work in you. Your mission is to glorify God. Your mission is to glorify God. Let's be clear on this mission idea real quick because there's some fallacies in our thinking in society, especially in Western culture. Your mission in life, hopefully, is not your career. Too often, we think our career is our mission in life. And what a sad day when you lose your job then because that was your purpose. That was your meaning. That was your fulfillment. That was your whole mission in life was the career in which you worked so hard to have. Then when you get to retirement, what a sense of loss. What a sense of lack of purpose. If your mission in life was your career, No, your mission, I mean, your career is a tool, is a tool to fulfill your mission. You understand? It's a tool for income. I receive a payment for the career that I do, and now I have an income to glorify God in how I spend it. I I mean that. Are you with me? Yeah. It's really true, and you can glorify God in the way in which you spend It's a tool to glorify God 
in your relationships. Your career brings you in touch with all kinds of people that may not know who God is. And what a great way you have, an ability you have then to serve in small ways with your colleagues you work with that glorifies God. It's a tool to fulfill your mission. That's your career, not a mission in itself. You with me, amen? We are also not talking about seeking happiness as your mission. And oh, that's what we are very guilty of that in our society. I just want to be happy. In fact, my wife and I caught ourselves saying that about our own kids one time. You know, my wife says, I just really want my daughter, you know, our daughter to be happy. And I agreed. I said, yeah, I really want her to be happy too. And then we had to stop and think about it. No, what we want her to do is be on the right mission. You with me? Because happiness is a byproduct of being on the right mission. Man, when you're doing something that you know God wants you to do and you're glorifying him through it, it gives you fulfillment. It gives you the abundant life that Jesus promised when he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Happiness is not the mission. If it is, you will forever be seeking it. It's probably why Jesus said in Matthew 10, uh, 39, he said, whoever seeks to find his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, if you're you're just seeking after the full belly, seeking after the full Facebook of friends, seeking after that full secure future, you'll be ever looking for it. There will always be something else that you will need if it's of material gain, if it's of this current world. You'll always look for more. Being blessed or happiness, if we want to call it that, is a byproduct of being on the right mission. And however you choose to use the life that God has given you and the talents that you possess, you can fulfill your mission of glorifying God in that career, in that job, in how you serve. Because it's not about the career. It's about glorifying God through it. Amen? All right. I'm not trying to turn you into a charismatic church now or nothing. But I just love to hear you talk back at me. Because if you give up your job before I do, raise your hand, okay? You're supposed to listen. I'm supposed to talk. You quit before me. Raise your hand. I'll wrap this thing up. Amen? You need to be on mission as a banker, a teacher, a doctor, an electrician, a salesman, homemaker, carpenter, engineer, chef, artist, or a pastor. Serving those around you and inside and outside of the church. There was this little girl, she was driving home from church one day with her daddy, and she's riding in the car and she says, Daddy, the preacher said something I just don't understand. He said, Okay, honey, what was it? She said, He said that God is bigger than all of us. Is that true? And he said, Oh, yeah, honey, that's true. God's bigger than all of us. And then she said, But then he said, God lives inside each one of us. Is that true? And he kind of, Well, yeah, honey, that's, that's true too. And she frowned, and she thought about it for a minute, and she said, well, Daddy, if God is bigger than all of us, but he lives inside of us, wouldn't he show through? Not bad theology. So how do I do that? How do I glorify God? How do I let him be seen in my life? Well, Jesus just said, serve others. And you may say, you know, oh, not this again. What are you going to, you want me to sign up for something? See, I get to say this kind of stuff. I don't have to be invited back. I know some of you are not really happy. Let's move on with the whole serve series, right? Okay, come on. 
I know. That's human nature. Some of you are like, you're serving. You're already serving. You, you heard this. Some of you are like, I don't want to hear it anymore. But I, I, I get to challenge you. And I get to try to encourage you. And I've got some stupid humor coming up here in a little bit. And I hope you'll just tolerate it because I hope it helps you remember that we're not talking about something silly. The silly things that I'm about to say, I hope, I hope you remember that it's not really about silliness. It's, it's about something very serious. Because, man, God wants to bless you. And your Pastor Jim and the other leaders in this church and those who are serving, they know it blesses them when they serve. Yeah, it really does. So I've got four questions for you, and they're very personal questions. They're ones just for you to answer, and you don't have to share them out loud or tell anybody else or show them your paper if you decide to write them down. But here's four questions. And in the midst of each one of these four questions, I have four very silly questions, but they're silly questions to help you get you think why you believe you answered the way you did. It'll become clear. Here's the first question. Do you really believe you can serve? In other words, there's a whole bunch of people in this building maybe right now who just think, there's nothing I can do. I don't, I don't like to get up and talk with front of people. I don't play an instrument. I don't, I don't like little kids, you know. Um, yeah, you, 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 you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not good at any different skills or anything. Do you believe you can serve? Let me, let me bring some clarity to this question by asking this silly question of you. It was on the internet, by the way, and you get silly stuff off the internet. How do you put a hippo into a refrigerator? How do you put a hippo into a refrigerator? It's really quite simple. You just open the door and you walk the hippo in. The problem is, when I asked that question, a whole bunch of you automatically pictured your refrigerator at home, didn't you? You pictured a regular household size refrigerator. You didn't picture the kind of fridge that we have at William Jessup University in our kitchen that's the size of a two-car garage that has a roll-up door. You automatically said it's impossible. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? I know it was a silly question, but I'm trying to get you to think seriously. You automatically say some things are impossible because of a preconception, because you aren't allowing yourself to think out of the box with your life a little bit. You aren't allowing yourself to say, you know what, maybe I could do something. I don't know what it is yet, but maybe I could. Are you running from serving God? Because you believe there's nothing you can do. You don't have the time. You don't have the talent. Or maybe you don't have the treasure in which to do it. There was this handyman. He, he heard about a job. Uh, he, he, he came in and he said, hey, I'm a handyman. And the, uh, and the, the, the in interviewer said, oh, okay, uh, you, you good at plumbing? The guy said, oh, um, actually, no, I'm not very good at that. Oh, okay, well, are you good at electrical? The guy said, well, uh, no, actually, I, I'm not very good with that either. Well, okay, you go to carpentry. And he said, uh, no, I, that's not one of my skills either. And the guy said, well, what makes you so handy? He said, I just live around the corner. <laughs> the ability is not nearly as important in God's kingdom as the availability. You with me? God will use whatever you've got. 
if you would make yourself available. It's why Isaiah, I believe, I believe we learned when Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, 8, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord. And some of you, without getting too mystical, some of you have heard God's voice calling you to do something. You've heard it. You've just ignored it. Or you've heard it and you've said, no, 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 not, not, not me. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And I said, here am I, send me. Some of you have heard God's voice, but, but you, you think it's impossible because you don't have the time and you don't have the talent or you don't have the treasure to help carry it through. Um, second question, am I afraid that I, I won't be accepted? Am I afraid that I won't be accepted? Some people in this room may fear that they won't be accepted by others who are even right here in the church. They won't be accepted into their serving group, some group that's serving, doing something. They won't be accepted by the people who are serving, or they won't be accepted by those whom they are going to serve. In other words, some of you are thinking, those junior hires won't like me. Why don't you give them a chance to not like you before you choose for them? <laughs> Some people in this room fear that they won't be accepted. Let me, let me help you with this by asking another silly question. How do you put a giraffe into a refrigerator? Now you know, right? You just walk him right in. No, you can't walk him right in because there's a hippo in the fridge. <laughs> and hippos are mean. So you have to take the hippo out first before you put in the giraffe. Some of you are running from serving God because you aren't sure that others will accept you. There's a hippo in the fridge, you think, and you don't want to go in there. They won't accept you. You're saying there's already somebody doing that role and they don't need any help from me. Or maybe you served once you did something once and you kind of felt attacked when someone tried to give you some suggestion or direction in your service. It didn't go well, in other words. You tried to serve, but, but it didn't go well. You didn't get along. There was a personality clash. And I, I, hope you're, I hope you're taking this from me okay. I hope you know I'm not stepping on anyone's toes because I know you. But believe me, I know you. We're, we're not that different. And sometimes we're afraid we won't be accepted. But sometimes I wonder if we're the ones not doing the accepting. Hmm. Sometimes I wonder if we might not be the hippo. And don't look around. Don't be pointing at people. But sometimes maybe we're the hippo in the fridge that ain't letting others in. Yeah. I guess I just ask you, are you friendly? Are you friendly? It's got to start there. There was this doctor, or this guy who was sick. He was really sick. He was feeling terrible for a number of months. He finally goes to the doctor. He says to the doctor, I feel terrible. They, they drew blood. They took a bunch of tests. The doctor comes in the room, and he goes, I cannot believe this. You have rabies. You've let this go so long, you're going to die. And the guy whips out a piece of paper, and he grabs a pencil, and he starts feverishly writing on the paper. And the doctor says, what are you doing? Are you writing out your will? And he says, no, I'm making a list of names of people I'm going to bite. <laughs> I mean, how friendly are you? 
How much do you actually care about others? Are you, are you the giraffe that wants to get in or the hippo that no one else can come in and be with? Hmm. Third question. Have I forgotten the joy I felt when I served? Have I forgotten the joy that I felt when I served? You see, I'm not talking about just at the church. Some of you have served with your time in somebody in your community, your neighbor, someone else. You just gave a little time. And you know what? When you were all done, it felt good, but you forgot how good it felt. Somebody needed the talent that you had. It might have just been a talent to listen and the ability from your past experience of wisdom to share with them, but you took the the time and you had the talent to share. Or maybe you were gifted with your hands at doing something and you fixed something or helped someone out. Or maybe you just gave a little money because someone needed help and it felt good. But you've forgotten. You've forgotten how good it felt. Let me, let me just because we got silly questions going. The Lion King host, the Lion King, he hosts an animal conference and all the animals in the kingdom attend except one. Which animal does not attend? Well, that would be the giraffe, because you put him into the fridge, remember, when you took the hippo out. It's, it's silly, but you know what? You forget, don't you? Have you forgotten how great it feels to serve? When someone was hurting and you cared, when someone was in need and you stepped in, when someone was young and didn't know what to do and you taught them, when someone was just needed as a friend, and you reached out your hand. When someone needed your knowledge and your skill, and you volunteered. There was this wealthy American lady who went on a safari in Africa, and you know, the actual safari, you get in the Jeep, and they take you all around, you see the animals and all that. I'd love to do it someday, but she, the story goes, they were taking this whole group around. They stopped in a village. She's watching this foreign nurse who's ministering to these these villagers who had open sores and lesions, and, and, and it was just disgusting. It was really bad. She's cleaning them, and she's nursing them. She's covering their sores. And this wealthy American lady, she looked, and she said a little too loudly to her friend, oh, that is disgusting. I would never do that job for all the money in the world. To which that nurse overheard and graciously responded, neither would I. Neither would I, because it was joy and a blessing in the service. Fourth question, am I worried about the unknown? Am I worried about the unknown? Man, there's so much to worry about <laughs> that you do know about. Why do we worry about that which we don't? Huh? Amazing, and yet we'll worry. And maybe you're just worried about the unknown what it would be to serve, I have no idea, and I'm not, I'm not sure that I want to get into that because I'm worried about it. Let me help you with this last silly question. There's a river that you must cross, but it is notoriously inhabited by crocodiles. So what do you do? Man, you just swim across it because all the crocodiles are at the animal conference. Did you? <laughs> right? Your fears, most of your fears are not justified. We make them up in our minds and we blow them out of proportion. Most of our fears are based on what could happen, not on what will happen. Some of you just need to jump in and start swimming. You need to jump in and start swimming. This uh, one young man, he, 
was in a suburban church and his friend of his was at this inner city church. And he really wanted to show that he cared about this inner city church, but he heard it was quite a wild church. And he showed up to it one Sunday and there was a healing service going on. I mean, it was raucous, man. It was carrying on. There were wheelchairs. People were hopping out of their wheelchairs. There were crutches. People, and they were throwing their crutches aside. And he didn't know what to make of it. He sits down in the back row and he's just watching this as he's sitting there. And a deacon comes over and says to him, bumps him on the shoulder, you will walk today. The guy says, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm fine. A few minutes later, the deacon comes over again and says, you will walk today. He tries to tell him, I'm okay. Nothing wrong with me. Service is over. He goes out, realized his card had been stolen. <laughs> you, 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 come on, if, if you didn't laugh at that, come on. That's just funny. I don't care who you are, okay? All right. Because you're worried about the unknown. I know you are. And I'm not so far different from you. There's things I worry about that aren't going to happen, but they consume my time and they keep me from reaping the blessing of doing today what could be done that would bless my life instead of worrying about the stuff that's not going to happen. Back to scripture quickly. And some of you are saying, yeah, about time, huh? Second Thessalonians chapter one, Paul is reminding the church in Thessalonica like he's reminding the church in Cottonwood because he might as well be speaking to us right now. And in the beginning of this chapter, of, of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he talks about the fact that judgment is coming. That you need to be walking by faith in the grace in Jesus Christ. He talks to them about this, and then he says this that's on the screen. With this in mind, he says, we, that's Paul and his companions, constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by God's power... He, that is God, may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. How is the good deeds going to come out in your life? How will it be seen? By the um, power of God that he would fulfill every good purpose of yours. When your faith is enacted with God's power that he will fulfill the purpose. Verse 12, we, that's Paul and his followers, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. In other words, that the world would see it. That the world would see it. Quickly, at the end of Acts chapter 2, when Peter had preached and 3,000 came, came into their fold that day, those 3,000 began to do good deeds with each other, to do good deeds to those in the community around them. And then it raised goodwill because they were doing good deeds. Oh, man, this is so cool. Thank you for helping me here. Thank you for doing this. This is great. The good deed brought goodwill. And it says at the end of Acts chapter 2, it says they added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's where they could preach the good news. The good deeds led to the goodwill so they could preach the good news. In the American church, too often, and I preach at a number of these churches, we're getting that flipped around. And we're just, we keep preaching and hoping people will come in. We just hope they'll visit so they can hear the good news, the good news. And then we, we hope that they'll develop goodwill towards what's happening here. And then we can get them to do good deeds with us. 
If we flip that around and we say, how about we do the good deeds so that the people will have goodwill so they could come and hear the good news? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah? No? Yeah. Yeah, good. Go like this. Just humor me. It would! Yes, it would. It would be fantastic. It doesn't mean that the preaching of the good news is lesser in priority, but the people out there never hear the good news unless they're impacted by the good deeds so that there's goodwill. Don't tell me how much you care or don't tell me how much you know until you show me how much you care. Amen? Yeah. Why is all this so important? Why is it important? Well, I would challenge you that I believe a lot of people in our society and right here in Cottonwood believe that you folks ought to live a little differently. I believe they believe it. Oh, you go to church. Oh, you ought to live a little differently. They expect it of you. Oh, you should do things differently, shouldn't you? I believe many do expect that of you. There was a Christian professor and an atheist professor. They were on the radio in a debate. And after they finished the debate about all the normal stuff, you know, the uh, origins of the universe and the origins of man and all of that stuff, the Christian professor began into the fact that following God's plan in Scripture creates a more loving society, that it is a better community when based on God's Word. And, of course, the atheist did not agree with that. And so the Christian said to him, all right, how about... Sir, he says to the atheist, you're driving your car through L.A. and your car begins to give you trouble. And so you pull off the freeway, but you didn't realize you just pulled off into a really bad part of town. And your car dies, and you are there realizing you're in a very bad part of town, and your cell phone, the battery is dead. You forgot your charger, you can't charge the phone, you can't use the phone, you see lights down at the end of the street, and you figure you're gonna have to get out and walk down for help. Soon as you get out of your car, five very large men come busting out of this alleyway, out of a door in the alleyway, and they start walking right towards you. He said, would it or would it not make a difference to know that those five men just came from a Bible study. Huh? Because the world has expectations. Oh man, and when we meet those by good deeds, instead of preaching at them, we build goodwill. And when we build the goodwill, we can share the good news. Amen? Blessing serves, man. I mean, uh, ser serving blesses us. Serving blesses us us. There's an assumption made by many in the world that Christians are to live differently. Let's prove them right. Look at that last question on your little outline if you're following along with that little outline. And if you're not, you can just look at the screen. I close with this question for you. At the end of my life, it'd be awesome if people thanked me for Father, thank you for the opportunity for me to be able to share with my brothers and sisters here. As they ponder that question, may it be what drives them to serve. May it be what would give them this day what they need to step out 
and serve you in some way with the gifts and the time and the talent and the treasure that you have given them that people might sense the goodwill from these who call themselves Christians. That then the good news can be shared and many can be added to their day, added to the church. Father, thank you uh, again for the opportunity and thank you for uh, being with these, my brothers and sisters. Would you bless them and keep them till we meet again in your son's name. Amen.